0: Now I ask God to give me special messages this year and the old students will tell you the messages I've been bringing this year uh mostly new messages with a new emphasis This due to a condition in this country uh, to which we wish to call attention we like to keep up with the devil and if possible stay a little ahead of him that's what we try to do in this school if you think that you can catch the devil after he gets by you, you're wrong you've got to either stay ahead of him or keep up with him or you'll never catch him you once to give him an opportunity to take his stand and entrench himself, you're up against difficulty. You know, the greatest psychologist that ever touched this earth is the devil. You know, Jesus Christ, I now I may be getting in a rather delicate realm here, and it may be that some people take issue with me, but you know, there was never anything subtle about what Jesus said. Uh, there never was anybody quite so direct as the Son of God. He said, this I say unto you, this I say unto you, this I say unto you. That's never been the devil's approach. The devil's approach is always a subtle approach. He came to in the Garden of Eden and said, has God said, has God said? He raised a question mark. If you want a less than subtle psychology, read the story of the fall of Eden. You have today in this country a tremendous emphasis on psychology, and it has its place. But much of the psychology is built upon the fallen uh, human race and the mental processes of a world that's lost in sin. And so you want to keep that in mind. Let's remember that, the study of the word of God. All right to study your psychology. But remember, you can be a good psychologist and be of the devil. In fact, if you were a good instrument of the devil, you'd have to be a pretty good psychologist. You know, I've known some men who knew so little about a psychology and had so little uh, psychological approach they couldn't even do much for the devil. Uh, you know, you just keep that in mind and don't, don't forget that now. And we want you to use your head and learn everything you can here. Everything in this school points to the exaltation of Jesus Christ and the Christian testimony. Now, last Sunday afternoon when I was at Vespers, uh, the young man that read the, from memory this part of a chapter from the book of Revelation uh, got hold of my heart with one little expression that's been on my mind ever since. And I won't talk to you about that today. I'm reading the 19th chapter of the book uh, of Revelation. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. And true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with a fornication that the offence the blood of his servants at her hand. And again, they said, Hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts, which uh, the scholars tell us could be red uh, living creatures, uh, fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. Get in on the praise of the Lord Almighty in Jesus Christ the Conqueror. All right. And I heard the, where the voice of a great multitude, is the voice of many waters, and is the voice of uh, mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God the omnipotent reigneth. And uh, let us be glad and rejoice and uh, give honor to him, for the marriage supper of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Now, I'm not attempting a technical interpretation here, but I think this is the time when the bride is brought home, and the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be united and uh, to reign with him in all of his glory. All right. And to her was granted that uh, she should be arrayed with, in fine linen. white, For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And our righteousness is his righteousness. All of the, our natural righteousness is as filthy rags. It's a stench in the nostrils of God when presented to God as the claim on for salvation. So this is his righteousness with which we are clothed. And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. It's very interesting in going through the book of Revelation. You'll read over and over again, State this is so, this is true. Uh, you know the thing is so spectacular and so overpowering. We're inclined to say, Oh well, uh, that isn't real, see. And over and over again, the Holy Spirit says, this is right, this is true, this is a true saying of God. And I fell his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou, do it not, I am thy fellow servant, of thy brethren, uh, that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. Sometime I'm going to preach a sermon on that little expression. I'm just touching it this morning. The spirit of Jesus is a testimony of prophecy. You know, young people, I want to talk to you especially this morning. People talk to me about the book of Revelation not being a, a practical book. If you'll just go through this book and underscore the text, you young preachers, that you can get out that have practical application. There's hardly any book in the Bible that has more practical applications to everyday life and to the things we need to know when you get in the book of Revelation. Of course, it's spectacular. It's wonderful. And uh, from a human standpoint, we use human language, we'd say it's very glamorous in all of its presentation. But I want you to get the picture. Here's John on the Isle of Patmos, that old servant of God. Now see the picture. Watch him there now. A man that had the prophetic telescope looking up into the future into to the beyond. And seeing things that were revealed to him by Almighty God. And there he is now. Overwhelmed on this great occasion. So much so. Till even John the Apostle himself made a mistake. Now notice what he did. I'm walking lightly here because it's not easy uh, for us to understand this thing. And you hesitate to say something about it. But here's a picture. There's John looking up there. This marvelous, matchless, strange uh, angel, maybe a high angel, uh, showing John around. Give him a picture. And uh, John was so well that John himself fell down at the feet of an angel instead of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he might have been mistaken about it or or the thing may have been so overwhelming that in the on the impulse of the moment he fell down the angel just forgetting. The angel said, Get up. Don't fall down at me. I, I'm just a curtain raiser here. I'm just a servant on in the house, that's all. I press the button to raise the curtain. Don't don't worship me. Get on your knees to Jesus Christ. I'm just a servant too. Uh, listen, you can't read anything more marvelous in the Bible than this. And I sat in that balcony last Sunday afternoon as this young man read it, and this thing just kept eating into my heart. I said, if John, that mighty, wonderful servant of God, the beloved John, the one that laid his head in the bosom of the Lord, that that wonderful one that could write this marvelous book and that God gave such visions to, if John himself could slip on an occasion like this, I said to myself, we sure better be careful. And then I thought about what's going on today. How in this day, somehow or other, eyes of man are being taken away from Jesus Christ and put everywhere else except there. A large percentage of all the Christian work of this country today is focusing the attention on something else and somebody else except Jesus Christ. The uh, attention sometimes concentrates on a program sometime on even something that may be wonderful in his place you couldn't say anything against this angel this angel was must have been a wonder you've never begun to imagine what you're going to see when you see angels and, and they're around some of us now they are ministering spirits sent to minister those who are to be heirs of salvation we Christian people ought not to make any mistakes
1: we are indwelt by the Holy Ghost
0: God in us and angels about us and we ought to have victory and you certainly do have good protection we shouldn't make any mistakes as you sit in that pew this day if you're a Christian the Holy Ghost is in your body the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in your body writing to the Corinthians Paul said what? know ye not that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you and they weren't perfect either Those Corinthians there uh, had their own carnal pull all the time. We're divided into factions, but he said the Holy Spirit was in them. As I've said many a time, it's one thing for the Holy Spirit to be in me, it's another thing for the Holy Spirit to rule in me. You don't have to ask him to come into you if you're a Christian. If he isn't in there, you're not a Christian. No man is a Christian that doesn't have the Holy Spirit in him. But you know, many people have him in him that do not have him sit on the throne and run things. But we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. God in me. Angelic hosts about. I ought not to be defeated. But here's John on the Isle of Patmos, spirit filled. Able to see visions. Able to write about the future. See the heavenly city and all that. And yet here he is now, this mighty, wonderful old saint of God. There he was. He honored Jesus. He knew Jesus. If anybody ought to have known Jesus, John ought to have known him. we would say, well, how could John make a mistake? That man that lived with him three years, this side of the tomb and touched him on the other side of the tomb and had seen the power of God come upon him and, and witnessed all he witnessed. Yet he mistook a creature for the creator. He mistook the one that raised the curtain for the hero of the program. And you can better watch your step too. The easiest thing you ever did on earth is to shove Jesus Christ around. That's the easiest thing on earth to do. Pushing one search. Push self to the front. Push something else to the front. Push your human intellect to the front. Push your schemes to the front. You can pile up your ambitions until you hire Jesus Christ by so Don't worship me. Say, so, you know, I just wonder if John was so, not so well, he I mean, wasn't just rattled for a minute, what sights he saw. If you could get a little peek inside that gate today, you'd see things that might overwhelm you. There are the angels with faces covered, crying, holy, 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 holy. Looking at him, light of his presence. And someday John tells about the redeemed out of every kindred and people and tongue and tribe and nation standing up there in that holy city, in that city of glory, able to look at him because they say we have been washed in the blood. Get away, John. Get up off your knees. I am not Christ. All the glory you see in me is the glory of the Lamb that was slain and has been raised from the dead. Look up at him, not me. Listen, young people, focus your attention on the conquering Christ. The testimony of Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Now notice here just a minute. You know, the letter kills always, even in prophecy. The letter is deadly. Just a cold letter of the law message is deadly. I've known men to talk about the Antichrist with an enthusiasm they never spoke about the Lord Jesus Christ at all. They'd exalt the Antichrist. I know Bible scholars that go up and down this country teaching prophecy cold as icicles. That stand up and magnify some prophetic detail. And they get such a thrill out of it. And I've sat and listened to some of them and I never even saw Jesus Christ when they were talking I could see a Roman Empire federated I could see an Antichrist taking over I could see uh, tribulations and troubles and judgments and all that kind of thing I could see everything like that happening but I couldn't see Christ I sat on the minister of a preacher one time one of the most eloquent men I ever heard preach in my life and uh, I said to a man sat by his side I said that's great preaching isn't it he said, yes, Brother Bob, it's such eloquent preaching, I, I can't, I have a hard time seeing Jesus. Oh, blessed is a preacher of the gospel that helps them see Jesus. Think of this angel, this heavenly creature, this glorious creature, shoving a man away. Get up off your knees and worship him. That's better preaching than some men that stand in modern pulpits are doing. They don't exalt it. Talk about Christian education sometimes, and Jesus Christ never gets a looky. Child psychology, Christian psychology, this, that, or the other, the processes at men, never get to Jesus Christ. I heard a man one time preach on the pre coming of Christ. And it was the coldest, deadest man I ever heard talking. He was more pre than he was Christ. I'm a pre-millennialist. Listen. But what we need to preach, we pre-millennialists, is Christ who's coming before the millennium. Not pre-millennialism, but Christ that we believe comes before the millennium. the exaltation of Christ. You can announce you're going to preach on the Antichrist at some Bible conference programs. You'll see the folks come with their Bibles and the pencils. You can stand up and exalt Jesus Christ and some of them say that's that's just rather commonplace. That's a letter the letter of the law that Kelleth. So this angel wrote here in the book for you and me to see and keep and remember forever. He didn't say it just to John. He said it to us. The testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. There is no spirit in any program that doesn't give Jesus Christ preeminent place and everything is done. That's what's the matter with this world right now? Men are trying to sell everything and everybody except Jesus. They're trying to sell programs ordinances, denominationalism, machinery, education, this set up and that set up, their own peculiar denominational slant, and they wear themselves out trying to sell it. And this poor, miserable world can't see Jesus. Up to the smoke and battle and strife and trouble and darkness of the age, we preachers are the blame. Bible teachers are to blame. We built so much ecclesiastical machinery. You can see that without any trouble. I told you last year about when I spoke to the Methodist Seminary up there, Columbus, Ohio, after World War One. It was one of the most spectacular religious shows I ever attended. I'm not criticizing. I'm not saying a word against it, but I was there. And uh, one day a good old preacher came up to me and said, Brother Bob, it's a great show, isn't it? I said, yes, I've had a hard time seeing Jesus because the show's been here. You know, sometimes I think in in our evangelistic campaigns, if we don't watch out, we're going to let the people see the crowds. And thousands in the choir and thousands in the audience. And throngs in the amphitheater. And the crowd will come back. If we are not careful, they'll go away. you never see Jesus Christ. I've been to prayer meetings where I didn't see. I've had my attention diverted from him. And they didn't focus my attention back on Get up off your knees, John. I'm just one of the creatures. Look here at him. Worship him. Worship him. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of this thing. That's the spirit of Christianity on this earth. If he isn't exalted in a church, it's a dead church. If he isn't exalted in a school, it's a dead school. If he isn't exalted in a home, it's a spiritually dead home if he isn't exalted into the supreme place in the program, it's a dead program, though it may go over. The devil will help put over a dead program. Young people, listen, don't you ever let them fail to see Jesus Christ. You know, all my life, With all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mistakes I've ever made, as far as I know, I've never shoved him around, certainly not intentionally. And the hardest thing we've had to do in this school is to keep him always in the forefront. We hadn't more than started until the temptation came, the bigger your enrollment, the finer your buildings. The more prosperous you are, the more men speak well of you, the easier it is to forget him. I've known men in that poverty that used to see him till they built a big business and then they couldn't see Jesus for the business. I know men that walked with him and talked with him and communed with him until they made money. I've known preachers that loved him and worshipped him and fellowship with him until they got an intellectual big head and magnified their mental processes above the glory and the exaltation of Jesus Christ. I've heard folks sing in the choir and I've listened to their voices and watched them and didn't see Jesus. You need to have somebody tell you. And if that angel that spoke to John had come down here today and asked him, What do you want these Bob Jones University boys and girls to hear? I'd say, Tell them what you told John. We're not swept off our feet like he was. We didn't see what he saw. We didn't hear all the hallelujahs he heard. We didn't saw the elders and the living creatures, whoever they were and whatever they were. In the glory of that wonderful scene. No use for us to be around. We shouldn't make a mistake. We are down here in a world where they don't have that kind of glam. No such occasion here. That's heavenly, not earthly. Help us to keep him in the front. And remember, if you're going to talk on prophecy, exalt Jesus. If you're going to conduct a prayer meeting, exalt Jesus. Going to the social circle, exalt Jesus. If it's a political occasion, exalt Jesus. I made 100 political speeches one time in a great moral campaign when whiskey powers were sweeping over a state. But I went on to every platform on every occasion and said, Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a preacher of the gospel. You can vote dry and go to hell. You can be a prohibitionist and be lost. I'd be a prohibitionist and wasn't a Christian. I'm against liquor. But I want to know something before I start speaking. I want you to know here's where I stand. The only hope of this world is Jesus Christ. Nobody can save us. And one of the things that happened in this country when we got prohibition in this nation that we got straight and honorable. We've centered on it and got it. I'm glad we got it. We ought to be ashamed we didn't keep it. When we got to this country, we sat back and said, there's no more saloons to get them. And the revivals in this country stopped. The evangelistic campaign slowed down. We're going to build a new world now we were trying to build that new world on fallen, depraved, weak human nature. And all things built upon fallen nature is built on a rotten foundation. All governments, all empires, the government must be upon his shoulders. He carries the weight of the universe. He made all things. He holds all things together. When a star would break out of its course, he pulls it back in line. When some sun would move to one side, he holds it straight on its course. When time for morning comes, he opens the door for the light. When the shadows of the evening come, he Pulls down the curtain of night on time. It's Jesus. Jesus. High over all. In heaven and earth and hell. Jesus Christ. Above all. Don't shove him around. Magnify him. Exalt him. Lift him up. In this age of darkness. Let the rest of them magnify football. It's nice, I like it. Nobody enjoys the game more than I do. Let the rest of them strut their intellectuality and flaunt their degrees. We want those things, but we want them for him. Let's us in Bob Jones University exalt him. If you're kneeling in any other shrine, get up. If you're worshipping your own ambitions or your education or anything else, get up off of your knees. Worship him. If you're on your knees worshipping a denominational shrine, a baptismal fountain or a pool of water. Lord, please ask machinery. Get up off of your knees. Worship him. Our Father, we dedicate this place anew today to thee. Where Jesus Christ has a preeminent place. And it isn't God's school if he hasn't. Help us to remind ourselves that over and over again. Don't let us forget it. We will forget it if John forgot it, unless we keep reminding ourselves and you keep reminding us to give him always and everything the preeminent place. Help us do it in our plans and life and ambitions and hopes and in all we are dreaming about.